Now we're going back. Some odd reason I can't get out of the book of St. Matthew's, the 13th chapter. Now I tried very hard. I did. I tried very hard. But for some odd reason, I can't get out of that 13th chapter. So therefore, God must be trying to tell us something. God's trying to tell us something. One thing I, I think I mentioned to you all before is that Jesus, he, 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 he taught and he preached to the masses, but he trained only 12. He trained only 12. For some reason that had just stuck with me, that stuck with me, that he had, he spoke to the masses, but he trained only 12. Amen. And if I could just get 12 people that would catch on fire, 12 people, that's all I'm looking for. It's just 12. I'm not trying to be Jesus, but <clears throat> if he did it, I'd follow his pattern. And if we could just get 12 people, uh, I think we could turn this world upside down. And so let's go back. Let's go back now to the 13th chapter of the book of St. Matthews. And in going back to that 13th chapter of the book of St. Matthews, I see I'm also keep having trouble. I know what my problem is now, Ella Newsom. I know what my problem is with this background. And so we're going to have to rectify. We're going to rectify that. But anyway, St. Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 31 and 32. Uh oh, only two verses tonight. Some of y'all look like you got happy. Like, uh oh, we only got two verses. Lord have mercy. We're going to be out of Bible study in 10 minutes. Well, that's not the truth. All right, that's not the truth. But look at St. Matthew's. Get your Bibles. Keep your Bibles open because. There's something in here that I want you all to see here tonight. <clears throat> all right. I'm going to give you time to get it and uh, get your notepads and uh, your highlighters. And um, and uh, let's 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 let, let's dig into this tonight. Look what it says. Another parable. Put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sold in his field. Verse 32, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree. So that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Those only two verses we're going to start off uh, reading tonight. Now, notice something. We're in the same chapter. This is another parable. This is this this parable is different from this parable is different from. Um the wheat and the tares. And it's amazing that if you notice this 13th chapter, uh, it's amazing that while he was talking about the wheat and the tares, all right, he, he right in the middle of that, he put this in here. All right. And so y'all look at my green screen tonight, whatever it do, it just going to do right in the middle of the wheat and the tear parable. He starts another parable. 
Then if you glance down, you will notice right after that in the 33rd verse, he starts another parable. All right. Then go down to the 37th verse. He then gives the explanation of the parable of the wheat and the tear. <laughs> All right. So that's kind of kind of like y'all can't laugh at me if I start one thing and talk about something else and then go back because Jesus did it. All right. So Jesus did it. And so I wanted you all to I wanted you all to see this. OK. And so this 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 parable, I want you to write down there that this parable really speaks of Christianity. It speaks of um, Christianity. Okay, now the previous two parables, they were story parables, story parables. This is the first parable, um, similitude, in other words, likeness, resemblance in the chapter. Okay, so the, the other two were, were story parables. And so when you look at when you look at the mustard seed parable, all right, uh, you will see that a mustard seed is sown. The mustard seed was used uh, in, in, in different terms to describe the smallness in the day of Jesus, the smallness in the day of Jesus. The mustard seed grew to be a great bush. All right. A bush as large as a tree. And so uh, its characteristics were loftiness, expansion, and uh, prominence. That was the character of the tree, loftiness, expansion, and prominence. And so really what Christ is really doing in this parable is he's describing the growth and greatness of his kingdom and of Christianity. He's describing the greatness of his kingdom and of Christianity in this parable. He shows how it begins as the smallest of seeds and grows into the greatest of movements. Don't miss that. OK, this is what he's showing us, how Christianity began as the smallest of seeds and grow into the greatest of movements. And so the message of the parable is a powerful message to individual believers and congregations, as well as to Christianity as a whole. All right. The seed of faith begins ever so small, but it grows into the greatest of bushes as it nourishes itself day by day. All right. He's going to show us something here today. I'm going to encourage everybody going to be encouraged. You watch this when, when we get through here today, because glance down at the 32nd verse, I'm going to have you glancing at the 30, uh, uh, second verse. All right. Uh, it says, but when it is grown, in other words, that word grown means mature. How many of y'all know you're supposed to mature in the faith? All right. When it is grown, when it matures. Okay. 
And so it's saying that mature believers, those of us that are saved, uh, we're supposed to provide lodging. In other words, space, room, all right, for the people of a turbulent world. Now, when I say a room, I don't mean one of your extra rooms you have upstairs. What I mean by room is we should not become so busy in life that we do not take the time. All right. As we mature, as we grow, as believers, we ought to have more time for people who are facing turbulence during this time. All right. And so there are uh, three things that we're going to talk about in this parable tonight. Three things we're going to talk about in this parable tonight. Number one, we're going to talk about the similitude, the sowing, and the success. The similitude in the seed the sowing of the seed and the success of the seed. All right. Now we already, we already know that a parable is a comparison is a comparison to illustrate a truth. And so the comparison in this parable is the mustard seed. All right. The mustard seed is also used elsewhere. All right. As a parable, similitude of faith. In other words, likeness, resemblance of faith. All right. Let me say a scripture comes to my mind. A scripture that if we have faith of a grain of a mustard seed, we can then say to the mountain, all right, you all know the rest of that, I hope, all right, so it's the likeness, it's the, it's the uh, resemblance of, all right, faith as, as well. So we're going to talk about those three things here tonight. Now, when we look at when we look at the similitude of that's in the seed, it's very important that we do a comparison. We're going to have to do a comparison. All right. In the similitude. And then we're going to also do the count. All this is right here in our text. OK, we're going to also do the count. Look at verse 31. Let's let, let, let's deal with the comparison. All right. The likeness of it says the kingdom of heaven is like is like to a grain of mustard seed. All right. And so the first thing that we get out of that is that the mustard seed is compared to the kingdom of heaven. All right. Just like it can be your faith is also compared to the kingdom of heaven. Now, watch this. The kingdom of heaven, as it is used in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, 
covers a wide range of meaning. Okay, it don't just have one meaning. Fact of the matter is, it's sometimes used interchangeably with kingdom of God. So anytime you're reading in the Bible and you see the kingdom of God, okay, it's the same. That's the same. The kingdom of heaven. They're both, they're both the same. Okay. And 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 without going through a lot of explanation, in brief, it speaks of the dominion of God or of Jesus Christ. So anytime you speak of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it speaks of the dominion of God. Okay. And so it is used sometime in a limited sense, such as uh, in John, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Okay. And sometimes the phrase is used in a more general sense to speak of any rule of God. So understand when you see the kingdom of God and when you see the kingdom of heaven, it speaks of the dominion of God or of Christ. Everybody clear on that? Nod your head if you're clear on that. All right. Because I know we read it, but we need to really understand when we see the kingdom of God. So every time now you read the Bible and you see, and the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, automatically let it go to your mind that that that, that text is speaking of the dominion of God. <clears throat> okay. And so uh, 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 the second thing was, that's the comparison. Now, the second thing is the count. Okay. The second thing is the count. In the similitude. Now watch this, the kingdom of heaven. Now, when you look at Matthew 13, all eight of the parables, all eight of the parables, all right, in Matthew 13 are compared to the kingdom of heaven one way or another. <laughs> all eight. Okay, it is the it is the dominant theme in the 13th chapter of the book of St. Matthews. Now, to the Israelites looking for the Messiah to establish Israel's kingdom, these parables presented something far different than what they were wanting and anticipating. That's the reason why, remember, for the last two weeks, he spoke the story to the masses but then he took his disciples aside to ex give them the interpretation. <laughs> That's the reason why, because to Israel, they were looking for the Messiah to establish Israel's kingdom. All right. They weren't worried about God's kingdom. Uh oh, <laughs> they were only worrying about their own kingdom. OK, and so, and so really, when you look at all of these parables in the 13th chapter, these parables look on the character side of things. They look on the character side. So that brings up this point that the Israelites were more concerned about conquering physical enemies than spiritual enemies. Uh-oh. And if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves in the same predicament. 
Once again, what did I say? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is the dominion of God. So anytime you speak of the kingdom of God and kingdom principles, that means they have to be spiritual. All right, I don't want to take y'all too fast here tonight, but, but it has to be spiritual. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. Our flesh cannot comprehend the things of the spirit. All right. Now, later on, we're going we, we, to see something here. We're going we're gonna to see why then we could do a lot of sowing, but then don't have no results. Some folks say, I've been sowing for Jesus. In other words, you ain't been making them no clothes. You know what I mean? You've been sowing. I've been sowing for Jesus. I've just been sowing seed all over the place. Everywhere I go, I sow a seed. Well, now, if we're sowing so much seed, then it looked like there ought to be some growth. Ah, y'all ain't gonna like me tonight, but I gotta tell the truth, okay? There should be some growth. And, and so this thing that I'm speaking of is not physical. It's not natural. I don't have a natural story to tell you. You see what I'm saying? That's going to be able to help you. Now, maybe it may help you understand it a little bit better. All right. But God, help us. This is my prayer. Help us get to the point to where people don't mix carnality with that which is spiritual. I shouldn't have to tell you how to cook a pie in order to tell you that Jesus died on the cross. (laughs) See, you only have to tell people that in order because, you know, you have to get there the natural. And this was what the problem was with Israel. Okay, and so he was letting them know in the parable, showing the dominion of God and, and, and what Jesus really came to do. You're going to see it right here in this parable. All right, so let's deal with the second thing. The second thing is the sowing of seed. It's right there. After you write it down, the kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Now, we went over that before about sowing in his own field. Okay, that's what he did. He sold into his own field. Now, it's kind of hard for me to really deal with this sowing and just kind of just stick directly with the 13th chapter of the book of St. Matthew simply because of this. Sowing applies to everything. All right, it applies to everything. What do you mean it applies to everything? Uh, 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 go to uh, just write down 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. Paul said to the to the Corinthian church, Paul says, uh, 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 but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Okay, that's the sowing. Now look at this picture. I hope you can see it real good. You see how that person is putting one little seed down at a time? <laughs> All right. One little seed at a time. If you sow sparingly. Now, of course, watch this. And I'm not going to get into this tonight. 
of course, just to go to show you the difference, Paul is really speaking about giving. Now, he is speaking about giving in this particular passage of scripture. In other words, if you give sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you give bountifully, then you're going to reap bountifully. Once again, it's all about sowing. Did you all know that when you give an offering, let me just say this, and I'm going to move right off of it. When we give our offerings, we are really sowing a seed. All right? We are sowing a seed. He giveth, watch this. There's another passage that says he giveth seed to the sower. In other words, he makes sure that I always have something to sow. Oh, let me get off that because I don't want to talk about that tonight. That's another Bible study, but we're still dealing with sowing. Okay. The more I sow, the more seed he gives me to sow. Now watch. Now, Paul talks about another kind of sowing in Galatians. Write it down. Galatians, the sixth chapter, verses seven through nine. He says, what? Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now look at verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that what? Soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And then he says in verse nine, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season, we shall what? Reap if we faint not. Now, 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 let, let, let me say this. It, 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 nobody souls, not in a right mind, without looking to reap a harvest. Think about it. Nobody sows without thinking of reaping the harvest. But but here Paul, Paul says, he says, don't be deceived because you're going to reap a harvest one way or another. <laughs> if you sow to the flesh, then you're, you're going to reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, then you're going to reap life everlasting. And so watch what happens. This man, he goes out in his own field and he sows a mustard seed. Everybody with me so far? He sows a mustard seed. Now, here's what I like about the reaping and the sowing process. This principle is equitable. It's, it's fair. It's impartial. You reap what you sow. All right? You sow meanness, <laughs> you reap what you sow. Don't say, why is it that look like everything Sister Carla reaps is just sweet? But look like everything I reap is just, just terrible. It's just horrible, horrible. Well, let's look at the seed that we're sowing. 
let's look at what we're sowing. It's it's fair. You reap exactly what you sow. You don't sow apple seeds and look for a watermelon. If you do, go get checked out, please. Because it don't work like that. We reap so, 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 so it's fair. It's impartial. Now, I thought this was kind of cute, and now don't send me to hell for saying this, but it, 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 it's like many people want a champagne reward on a Pepsi Cola performance. Some of y'all understand that. So y'all know you understand it. I, yeah, I said champagne. I know, I know. <laughs> don't send me to hell. But that's how some people live their life. They want champagne reward. On a Pepsi Cola performance is not going to happen. You go to a nice restaurant and the lights are dark. I don't know nothing about this because, you know, really, really, I don't. You know, I, mean, I know about a dark restaurant, but, you know, some of y'all know a little more than I do. You go and the lights are dark and the table is set. And the first thing they come and ask you, Sister Lori, is would you like to try? They got a whole drink menu. Okay, and there are some restaurants you have to dress a certain way. You don't go into Ruth Chris in a sweatsuit. You just don't do it. The ambiance, the whole nine yards. When you drive up, the cars alone. Come on, y'all talk back here to me. Come on, you guys. The cars alone will make you sometimes say, oh, oh, what am I doing here? I ain't got no space if it's your first time going. And so they set the ambiance and they do the whole nine yards. You, 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 come on, get rid of that, get rid of that Pepsi Cola uh, mentality. I ain't never seen nobody put on a suit, shirt and tie and everything and, and drink a Coca-Cola. <laughs> well, believe it or not, that's how some, some are living the Christian life. We're not getting everything that God has for us. Okay. And so the parable, watch this. When you look at this parable, the parable depends on the seed being sown. Don't miss that. The parable depends on the seed being sown. Now, I can say this. Without the sowing of the seed, there is no parable. (laughs) There's no parable. All right, so then with that being said, let's deal with, let's deal with the sowing of the seed. I want to deal with three things quickly tonight. Number one, I want to deal with the mention of the sowing. I want to deal with the meaning of the sowing. And I want to deal with the material in the sowing. We've almost covered the mention of it already by verse 31. A man took and sold in his field. Now, so Christ, Christ, Christ could teach the greatest of truths with the most simplest of illustrations. You know, he wasn't deep, but you needed a dictionary to figure out what he was trying. Y'all quit trying to be deep. <laughs> Stop trying to be deep. He didn't need no, it was, no, he he, he he gave the greatest of truths with the most simplest of illustrations. And, and if you notice, oftentimes he used simple agriculture illustrations. Because once again, that's what they did back in the day, back in their times. 
Okay, some folk on here don't don't even know where to start to even start a garden. All right. So it, he, he, he taught them according to their times. So this is the third parable in this chapter of Matthew. And it is the third consecutive parable that involves sowing of seed. So obviously Jesus wanted them and he wanted us to get the importance of sowing seed. All right. Now, look at the meaning of the sowing. A man took and sowed in his field. Now, I, 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 I thought this was quite interesting and I wanted to share it with you. Because the first parable of this chapter, the sowing illustrated the proclaiming of the word of God. For the seed represented the word. All right, you all remember that. I taught on that. It, 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 it represented the word. Okay? In the second parable, the sowing illustrated the sowing of people. Think about it. For in the parable, the seed represented people. Remember, a man goes in his own field and he sold, he sold seed. And then somebody else come along while he slept and sowed some other kind of seed. And they both grew together. And then he said, let the wheat and the tear grow together. And when I come, I'll do the separating. Talking about people. You're going to have good people and you're going to have bad people. Come on, somebody. But then again, you remember I told you that didn't have nothing to do with church discipline. <laughs> I don't want you guys to forget that. Once again, we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven. But now, now here in this third parable, the sowing can represent either proclaiming the word or the sowing of God's people throughout the world. Okay. In this third parable, first parable, it was the word of God. Second parable, it was people. This third parable, it could be the word or people. <laughs> Jesus had a way of covering everything. Now, when you look at the seed, when you look at the sowing, regardless of whether or not it was the word, regardless of whether it was people, the purpose of sowing is for reproduction. That's the purpose of sowing. If you sow for any other reason, you sowing for the wrong reason. The main purpose of sowing is for reproduction. And so guess what? Then I think I'm safe to say no sowing means no reproduction. You cannot go out and look for a harvest if you have not sown any seed. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm just waiting on my miracle. Lord have mercy, Jesus. Let me go check the mailbox. Let me go check it. No, just you might as well just watch your TV show. Come on. If you have not sown no seed, and I ain't just talking about financial, I'm talking about any kind of seed. If you have not sown no seed, don't look for a harvest. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The man sowed seed in his own field. Don't come over in my field. Uh-oh, come on here. 
This righteous indignation now. Don't come in my field trying to get any of my harvest. Uh-oh, I'm going to let that sink in. A lot of times we want folk to sow the seed and then we, we, we captivate on their harvest. I'm trying to help us here tonight. Just like they have a harvest, you can have a harvest. Just learn how to sow the seed. All right. Let me move on. Let me move on. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. So I can finish. Now, of course, look at the text. Another parable put him. Parable he put forth saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. Watch this, which a man took. Let's start right there. Which a man. Now, in this parable, we know the man is Jesus Christ. The man is Jesus Christ in the parable. The field is the world. All right? The field is the world. So, so Jesus plants the seed in his field, which is the world. You know he owns it, right? <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In the beginning, God created. Anything you create belong to you. The heavens and the earth. All right. So the man here, here is Jesus Christ. He's planting seed, as we said before, in the world. Now, notice what he says, uh, which a man took. Sometimes we read and we really need to just really analyze, you know, just these little words can bring out such a difference in the text. Because when I study that word took, took means to deliberately take. It means to take with purpose and thought. Uh-oh. He, he, he had purpose in sowing. He took thought before he sowed. Come on, walk with me. He didn't just walk down the street and just throw his seed in, in any old field. <laughs> he thought, I'm a plant in my field on purpose. All right. And so the planting of the seed was not by chance. It did not just happen. Christ deliberately planted the seed. Watch this. And nourished the growth of the bush. We got a lot of people that want to plant seed, but they don't want to take the time to nourish their spiritual bush. <laughs> you bring your bush to the pastor. Come on, somebody wave and say, teach pastor, wave at me real quick. Thank you. Come on. Because it was deliberately, the seed was deliberately planted on purpose with thought. He therefore nourished the growth of the bush. The bush existed because of great purpose and thought. 
Don't miss it. <laughs> Great purpose. I thought about this. <laughs> How is it? How is it? <clears throat> Those of us that got a front yard. How is it that our grass is dead and we have a sprinkler system? <laughs> I thought about that. Don't have to put no work, no energy. <clears throat> Just set the timer. It'll come on automatically. We don't know what it is to mow our grass. We got gardeners. And yet the grass is still dead. <clears throat> Sometimes I compare that to the church. Sometimes I compare that to the church. We have everything that we need. Why is it there no growth? We know what to do. We know how to do. Where's the growth? I want this to sink in. Yes, it's the pad. I went outside, looked in my front yard and said, that's a shame. Before God and man. I did. Well, then we start making excuses. Are y'all following me? Then we start making excuses. Well, the water bill's too high. <laughs> we can always find an excuse. I, I, I'm allergic. I can't go get no lawnmower because the dust makes my asthma, my allergies, uh, and then I can't afford a gardener. So therefore, consequently, what ended up happening, and this ain't my case, it's almost, but the God's convicting me on it. Your yard become the worst yard almost in the neighborhood. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. If somebody, <laughs> if somebody wanted to sow some seed, they walk right past your house. <laughs> Are y'all following me? Because you want to sow seed into what? Good ground. Now, let's relate that to the church. Some churches, all they want to do is jump and shout and don't want to get in the word of God. <clears throat> but let me tell you something. How do y'all know jumping and shouting didn't get us through this time? Because I think that the first time I seen some of y'all shot was Sunday in the whole year. <laughs> it's not your fault, but I'm just saying. You had something else to hold you. You had something else to sustain you. Okay? And that was the word of God. And so the field is the world. Christ plants his seed. And so watch this. The man, which we know is Jesus Christ, the man is active. He's continually active. He's not lazy. He's not slow. Come on. You can't be a part of the kingdom of God, and I'm going to say it, and be slow, sluggish, lazy, and dull. God's calling us out of that. You just hitting and missing. The man was active. He did what he did on purpose. And he took thought before he did it. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. There's nothing dead, there's nothing lazy, there's nothing dull in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God. Not what God has control over. Come on. Hallelujah. I wish somebody would catch on fire and burn with the Holy Ghost. Y'all don't know that song. Come on. He plans. He sows. This is the great lesson as we plant the mustard seeds of our lives. What an enormous difference there would be in the world 
if we would plant our lives where many could come and find the care they so desperately need. All right, let's move on. Let's deal with the material in the sowing. The material is the seed. Now, look at this picture up top there is is a mustard seed salad. <laughs> I want y'all to order one one day. A mustard seed salad. Now, look at the picture on the bottom to the right. That's mustard seed. And then the one on the left is called black mustard seed. <laughs> Give you a little lesson on mustard seed. That's black mustard seed, and then the other one, the yellow one looked like corn, kind of like corn. That's the regular mustard seed, okay? And and and, and so so notice verse 31. Uh, it is like to a grain, one grain of mustard seed. That which is sown in this parable, that's all it is. Now, watch this. The character of the seed is the key to the parable. The character of the seed is the key to the parable. And here it is right here. The diminutiveness, diminutiveness, diminutiveness. I went on Google to pronounce that. Sometimes that's what you have to do. Say amen, somebody. Don't say I can't pronounce the word. Go to Google. You search Google for everything else. Go to Google. Learn how to pronounce these words. Diminutiveness, diminutiveness of the seed. All right, let's look at the diminutiveness of the seed in verse 32. It says, which indeed is the least of all seeds. The striking feature of the mustard seed, which plays an important part in the parable, is its diminutive size. It's the size, pico, small. It's not big, it's not grande. It's small. And the text says it is the least of all seeds. So that makes the growth which comes from it the great illustration of the parable. Think about it. Y'all follow me because that's what makes the parable so great because the size of the seed. Now, 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 I want to say this for those of you that, because some of y'all like to after classes over do some more research and all that stuff like that. I love it. I like it. Now, please understand this and hear me closely. The mustard seed really is not the smallest seed around. Uh-oh. There's a seed called a, a, a poppy seed. It's smaller than the mustard seed. There's a seed called the root seed, smaller than the mustard seed. 
But here Jesus says, now, and I'm not going to, I'm not contradicting what Jesus said. I'm explaining it to you because there's no contradiction in the word of God. He says that it is the least of all seeds. Why would he say that? Well, he said that because watch this. The mustard seed is the kingdom seed. Oh my God. Y'all do research on that. I don't have time to go through it tonight. The mustard seed is the kingdom seed. Name any other seed that the Lord talked about. <laughs> In relation, people say you have faith of a grain of a mustard seed. All the illustrations, he talks about the mustard seed. So the mustard seed is the kingdom seed. All right. So here, mustard seed illustrates the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom seed. Now, the mustard seed, and I don't want, want y'all to miss this, it illustrates the kingdom of heaven, not the church. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let me say it again. It represents the or illustrates the kingdom of heaven, not the church. Now, even though we're supposed to, well, watch this. Even though we so see the church benefits, but in this illustration, it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Another thing that it illustrates is abnormal growth. <laughs> From a small beginning to a tree. That's abnormal growth. And then watch this. <clears throat> Woo, don't miss this. It becomes a refuge. A home. And a sphere of operation. For demon powers. Uh oh, I just threw somebody off. It becomes a refuge, a home, and a spear of operation for demon powers. Instead of the kingdom of heaven growing normally and with only wheat in it, we just talked about this, tares and demon powers seizes upon it. <laughs> Try to try to dominate it. Come on. What do you think the devil's trying to even do to the church? We're taking the back seat while the devil just take over. And we just sit back talking about the gates of hell shall not, Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We could quote a bunch of scriptures. But these demon, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're so busy even within the church fighting people we could see. Come on here, somebody. And he said, that's not even the fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so instead of the kingdom of heaven growing normally, we got all kinds of folk talking about they're part of the kingdom of heaven. I'm a part of this kingdom just like you're a part of this kingdom. <laughs> we got some folk with a... With, God has already turned them over to a reprobate mind and they still talking about they are part of the kingdom. I hope I'm not too, too, too hard tonight. 
But that's a part of the wheat and the tear growing together. And in the end, he's going to do the separating. All right. But but notice something. Now, remember, I told you at the beginning that remember, I told you at the beginning that the seed or well, this was an illustration as well uh, uh, for Christianity. It all started with Jesus. All right. Come on. Let me let me let, let me go there with you for a minute. It all started with Jesus. All right. That's where it all started. One man. Uh Oh, that takes me back to uh, (laughs) to uh, Bible discovery. (laughs) That takes me back. You see how God wraps all these lessons kind of together. One man, Nehemiah. All it took was one man to have purpose. Oh, y'all ain't going to help me. All it took was one man to want to move in the things of God. Just one man. Okay? Well, so it is. So it is. Jesus Christ was one man. He's the one that started this whole thing. He started it all by himself. Come on here, somebody. I said, Jesus started this all by himself. Watch what happens here. He's born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Come on. <laughs> he didn't live in no big mansion and drive no limousine. Started with one man. Well, then what, what, what Pastor, what are you trying to what, what are you trying to say? Christianity was carried forth by men without position and without prestige. They were not mighty nor noble. They wasn't famous. They were only common people. Some from ordinary professions such as fishermen. And some were despised professionals such as tax collectors. So pastor, what are you trying to tell us? I'm trying to tell you what Jesus is trying to tell you. That you don't have to be a somebody in order to have great impact on his kingdom. Don't miss it. It ain't the noble. It ain't the educated. It ain't the rich. Right where you are, you can have an impact. One man sows into his field. Come on, write just, just, just my God. Write, just write this scripture down. Please write this scripture down. Write down First uh, Corinthians chapter one, uh, verse twenty-six through twenty-nine. Paul says, "For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called." But God has chosen the foolish things of this world. God has chosen the weak things of the world. He's chosen the base things of this world. And he said, the reason I do it is no flesh or glory in my sight. In other words, God want to use you. Hello. Somebody say, God want to use me. God want to use me. Uh, You may not be the greatest talker. You may not. uh uh, Moses wasn't either. Moses, when God told him to go, and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He made excuses like a lot of you guys keep making excuses. He even said, well, why don't you send Aaron? Aaron, my brother, he can talk better than me. God said, no, the call ain't on Aaron for this particular thing. I have a purpose for you. 
I got something that I need you to do. I don't know who God is talking to tonight, but you need to stop it. Slap your hand and say, stop it. Come on. Stop making excuses. God gave you a seed. All it takes is one person. Come on. Let me finish this thing up. Let's hold y'all too long. Let's deal with the success of the seed. Anytime God is in something, you ain't got to worry about it. You ain't. You don't have to make it happen. Look at the success of the seed. And we, now we got a little mustard seed that's just put into the ground. That's God's agriculture miracle. That man didn't go in the ground with the seed. He put the seed down in the ground by itself. Once it gets in the ground, now it's up to God to do what he knows to do with the seed. Oh, y'all, I don't know if y'all ready here tonight. The seed was phenomenally successful in its growth. And watch this. This success is interpreted in two different ways. Two different ways. Write this down. I got to move on here. Write this down. The virtue in the seed, in the growth, and the vice in the growth. The virtue and the vice. Look at the virtue in the growth. Verse 32, when it is grown, when it is mature, it is the greatest among the herbs and becometh a tree. Notice, it started out as nothing, but then it becomes the greatest. Y'all, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? It ain't the one. Watch this. Then it says the birds of the air, they come and lodge in the branches thereof. Ain't that amazing? Ain't that amazing? Thank you, Holy Ghost. The same bird that would eat the seed if it could. That's why you got to bury it. <laughs> That's why you got to let it grow. That bird would eat that seed and didn't know that, that's the, 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 that one day he was going to need that seed because that seed was going to grow into a tree. And that bird would be able to go lodge there in the tree from the heat. Lord, I feel like jumping over my desk. God takes small things and he makes something great out of it. Come on, write this down. The tree's phenomenal growth is spoken in three ways. The text said it was the biggest, big. It was the biggest of all trees. Just from one little seed. When it is grown, when it is matured, it is the greatest among the herbs. Let God make you great. We're trying to be great in the eyesight of man. Being great in the eyesight of man don't mean nothing. Let God make you great. And then look at the next thing, the branches. It becometh a tree with branches. In other words, the seed developed so well that it became a tree with branches. How many branches do you have? Or are you sitting there talking about, well, I got the key take it to heaven. No, where are your branches? Where are your branches from the seeds that you've planted? I ain't talking about your house and your car. That's carnal. I'm talking about spiritual. Where are the souls that you brought into the kingdom of God? The branches. 
It developed so well that it became a tree with branches. And then thirdly, it talks about the birds. The text says, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. The large size of the tree is emphasized by the fact that birds can come and sit on its branches and chill for as long as they want to chill. Y'all ain't talking back here to me. Well, let's, 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 let's look. The, the encouraging lesson here is that the phenomenal growth is that though it had small beginnings, it still grew into a large tree. Sometimes the Lord's work looks so small <laughs> and not able to amount to much, but we got to keep being faithful. We got to keep being faithful. Though it is like a mustard seed in smallness, it still become a great work. And then look at the vice in the growth. They said, when it is grown, it is the greatest. It allows the birds of the air to come and it has branches. Let me tell you something. This parable is a great encouragement to every believer. It should be an encouragement to every believer. It is an encouragement to us in our personal lives and in our ministry. No matter how small we may begin, we must continue. Because if we continue, our lives and efforts will grow. But you can't stop. We may be like Christ and see little growth in numbers while we're here on earth. But the growth will take place. You plant that seed. A lot of people have planted seed and they're gone now. Come on, somebody. My father planted seed in us. He's gone now. I don't know what size tree I am, but come on. But he planted the seed. Are y'all following me? You don't know what's going to happen when you leave here. And then it is an encouragement to our hope in eternity. Because the kingdom will finally come someday. And we will be rewarded for our faithful labor. Don't give up. Don't stop. Is my labor in vain? Is my preaching in vain? Is my teaching in vain? Is my praying in vain? Sometimes if you look at the results that you're trying to see, you would have to say yes. But no, it's not all in vain. I think it was a Clark Sisters, wasn't it? Up the road is eternal gain. Okay, don't look at everything for down here. You get your reward down here, that's it. Our reward is up in heaven. We got to remain faithful. We got to be about our father's business. Well, let me close here now. So the result of the bush's presence, the birds come, lodge in its branches. Now, there's two steps that are still essential for us as it was in this text. First, a person must come. <laughs> now, the tree was going to be the tree, regardless of whether or not the birds came and lodged there. It was still going to be the tree. But the birds took advantage of the tree being there. The church is going to be the church. Can I tell y'all something? Some of y'all ain't been in the church for 13 months now. Guess what? The church is still there. <laughs> the church is still there. Okay, and so first the person have to come right down Matthew eleven twenty eight. If you're tired, if you're weary, if you're worn, 
Yeah, if you feel like giving up, if you feel like throwing in the towel, if you say it's too much, Jesus says, come unto me. You got to come to him. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. You can't do it. You haven't done it thus far. So leave it alone. Let go of it. I told y'all that Sunday. Get rid of your unlesses. <laughs> let go of it. I know it's hard to do, but let go. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. Come on, write down Revelations 22 and 17. If you're thirsty, I ain't talking about for Gatorade or nothing else. He said, and the spirit and the bride said, come, let him that heareth come. Let him that is a thirst, let him come. Drink of the water freely. I'll come to refresh you, but you have to come. Come on, write down Isaiah. <clears throat> I'm rushing now. One and 18. You might need to talk to him about a few things. You don't talk to everybody else. Talk to him. He says, come now, let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they shall be like crimson, they shall be as wool. He said, come, let's talk about it. Write down Isaiah 55 and 1. So I said, well, I can't come to him because they're like, oh, the church one is my money. No, we don't want your money. <laughs> he says, oh, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money. So he makes it very plain. If you don't have no money, come on. He said, come with no money, buy and eat. How are you going to buy something with no money? Only the Lord can let you do that. But he says, come and buy. In other words, you have access just like everybody else have access. That's what he's saying. He said, come get you some wine and some milk without no money. Now, don't y'all go down to the store trying to get none of that tonight. <laughs> That's going to take the scripture out of context. All right. And so wait, the person has to come. And then last but not least, secondly, a person must lodge, live, and walk in Christ. Right? That's something that we have to do. Write down St. John 15, 4 through 6. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You may have some branches, but you can't be out there by yourself. That branch got to abide somewhere. That branch got to get its nourishment from someplace. Nourishment is not in the branch. Nourishment is in the tree. See, that's what's wrong with so many folk. They get one or two branches and they cut themselves from the tree. Uh-oh. And then go out on their own. And then they discover they don't amount to too much. Because the branch got to be connected to a tree. Jesus set it up that way. You can't go out there on your own, just do what you want to do whenever you feel like doing it. You got to be connected to a tree. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And then watch this. You cannot be produced from one tree, cut yourself off, and then take your branch and try to connect it to another tree. Now that's scripture. Oh, 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 oh. Glory. Let me close. Come on here, somebody. If that tree was good enough to help you to grow, that tree ought to be good enough. Come on, let the, let the tree get some of your fruit. Except you abide in the vine. No more, ye. Except you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him. 
Guess what's going to happen? The same is going to bring forth not just fruit. You're going to bring forth much fruit. You're going to bring forth more, much fruit. So y'all talking about you in Christ. Okay. Come on. I think God's letting us all start all over. I believe he's giving us another chance. God has given all of us another chance, even the pastor. So don't just think I'm talking at you. I'm talking to you. I, I'm reasoning with us. I believe God has given all of us another chance to be productive. Okay. To bring forth much fruit. And then he goes, here's what he says. If a man don't abide in me, I'm going to cast him forth. The branch is going to wither. How many withered branches are out there? And men gather them. Here's what's going to happen. Men going to gather you and throw you in the fire. That's scripture. <clears throat> okay, how much you speak in tongue if you ain't bearing fruit? You go online and learn how to speak in tongue. So speaking in tongue ain't it. Some folk can speak in tongue and then cuss you out. Y'all ain't got to talk back into me. So your speaking in tongue don't mean nothing to me. The fact of the matter is you speaking in tongue, if there's not an interpreter, you done wasting my time. That's scripture. Sometimes tongues is just between you and God. You ought to be, don't, don't wait till you get to church to just get to speaking. Go in your secret closet and talk to him. Because if it ain't no interpretation, we could have sung a song. <clears throat> Y'all don't like this kind of teaching, but it's the truth. I got Bible to back it up. Write down 1 John 1 and 7. I'm finished. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. <clears throat> How are you going to be in the light and don't fellowship with nobody? I'm just going to lock myself up in the house so I can just stay safe and go to heaven. You're going to go straight to hell because the scripture says we have fellowship one with another. The God that I serve don't let me lock myself up all by myself. Come on, I need you. You need me. We all a part of God's family. Ooh, I'm teaching tonight. I don't care what y'all say. Just write down 1 John 2 and 6. All right, let's get it now. I'm done. Just kind of don't answer these questions, but kind of ponder. Kind of ponder the questions I'm going to ask you real quick. How can you, me, be a positive presence among our non-Christian friends and relatives? Say it again. How can I make it personal? How can I be a positive presence among my non-Christian friends and relatives? St. Luke Church, I'm not interested in us getting going around to all these different churches trying to get seed from another church. Are y'all following me? <laughs> we have enough non-Christian friends and relatives <laughs> that if we would bring forth some fruit, souls, come on, come on. It ain't about you no more just trying to make it to heaven. If you've been saved for 30 years and you still just trying to make it to heaven, you need to call me. I got something to tell you. All right. And think about this question. What, what are some little things? Nothing big. What are some little things we can do 
to make a big impact for Christ. I'm going to begin next Bible study. Sister Teresa, remind me. The first 10 minutes of next week's Bible study, I want you all to tell me, what can we do as a church to make a big impact for Christ? I want you all to tell me. You all waiting on me to come up with all the visions and the solutions and then present it to you. What can, what are some little things, little things? It ain't got to be nothing big. It ain't got to cost $10,000 to do it. What are the little things we can do to make a big impact for Christ as a body of believers, as those who are part of the kingdom of God? I don't want to go back into St. Luke just singing the same songs and dancing around and preaching and going home. I want to know. What are the little things we can do to have a big impact, okay, for Christ? And then my last question, and I'm finished. What does this passage say to those of you who don't feel talented, gifted, or brilliant? What does it say to you? Don't answer. I just want you to write it down. Write it down. What does this passage say to you that don't feel talented, gifted? Some people are gifted to do what they do. I'm gifted to teach. Everybody's not gifted to teach. Okay, You're gifted in other areas, perhaps I'm not gifted in. There are areas, whether y'all believe it or not, There are areas even in my life that I don't feel gifted enough or smart enough or talented enough. You know what I do, though, don't you? I find those that know and call them (laughs) and say, hey, I need you to to write me a letter real quick. Here's here's what I needed to say. Now, you you fix it. Send it right back to me. Are are y'all following me? (laughs) Okay. So what 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 does it say to you? What does it say to you? Knowing that it starts with something small and what seems to be insignificant. That's what God chooses to use. All right, every eye closed, every head bow. I'm finished for the night. <clears throat> Now, God, I share with your people what you placed on my heart to share. And you have declared that your word will not go forth void, but that it will accomplish what you set out for it to accomplish. God, help us in our Christian life to grow to the point that we can be a blessing to others. God, I'm not just speaking of a material blessing but I'm speaking of a spiritual blessing. Like the mustard seed becoming a big tree where the birds could come and lodge there. God help us to be a reservoir of hope where people can come and when they talk to us, they're not more depressed when they leave us. But God, they're lifted by your spirit and by your grace. 
they have a determination to fight on and to run on to see what the end is going to be. Now, God, I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen.